0: everybody i'm frank and i'm an alcoholic frank. and after three or four beers i test positive for cocaine every time <laughs> yes. i'm not gonna talk about i'm an alcoholic so i'm like i'm gonna go down some narcotic road but um i tested positive for cocaine i know i know i, I always like when um people do the uh, hey uh, i'm an alcoholic and addict you know and it's like saying hey i'm a i'm a I am a carpenter and I use a hammer and I have a hammer, you know, same thing, but anyway, that's irrelevant. So I'm here tonight. Uh, thanks for asking me to come out. And um, I've been way overhyped, but uh, I'm very happy that I am sober, you know? So um, if you're here tonight, I don't know who's new or who's not, but uh, for me, I didn't think so at the time, but looking back at five years, I was still pretty new. And um, I'll give you a bit of my story. I think we all know how to get wasted and ruin our lives. I was very good at that, you know. I came into this world with nothing. And I've done a good job of holding on to that. So, I hope that's encouraging for all of you out there, you know. Here's the line I came in at. A lot of times I was down here below the line, you know, negative. Now it's going in the right direction. So yeah, so uh, Alcoholics Anonymous um, has saved my life. I'm extremely happy to be here, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm flattered to be here. And I hope I could say something, grab a bullet point. If you don't like to throw it out. But uh, to me, Alcoholics Anonymous is, um, it's a spiritual program of action. It's not probably not the first time you heard that, but that is the case in my life. And that spiritual program of action has helped me recreate my life. You know, it tells us in the book that uh, we heard we want to recreate our lives. You know, and a lot of times uh, people say, well, I never had a life, you know, and I get that too, <clears throat> but that's not my case. I was, depending on how you want to look at it in Orange County, I was doing well and I screwed it up. So um, here it goes. So uh, if you're unhappy that I'm here, get over it. You know? Yeah, That's all I can say. I don't know what else to say. Get over it. You know, I, I have a sponsor, um, and most people know him, Jim Willard. And, uh, you know, sometimes every once in a while he goes to me, oh, well. You know, that's just, oh, well. You know, put the bell. On. So I'm going to get a story. I'm excited about this. Darn it. So anyway, happy holidays, everybody. You know, say, hey, man, where's the candy canes? We got a, candy canes here? Yeah. Wow. Oh, there are? Oh. Candy canes. who doesn't like a candy cane? But anyway, so I'm Frank, I'm an alcoholic. And what happened was I'm born in New York, I'm from New York, and uh, my name is Francis, all right? To be honest with you, my name is Francis. So that's why I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> and since I changed my name to Frank, I'm cured. Thanks for having me. Yes. We all get to go home early tonight. That's it, Kids, Getting, kids up. No, so I started up, I didn't like, growing up I have two older brothers and, you know, my parents and I didn't like the whole idea of drinking. I was. It wasn't my plan. I didn't like it. And um, there would be beer around, and I tried to drink some beer, and the beer just tastes terrible compared to a bottle of Coca Cola or a beer. No way. Give me the soda. You know, the soda tastes good. So I never really, you know, oh, I love it. You know, that wasn't my gig at the beginning. You know, so um, I remember tasting beer and not liking it. Blah 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 blah. But I realized as I got older, you know, and as I got into my teens. I saw what was coming. I was gonna have to drink beer or not be cool for the rest of my life, you know? And I chose cool, you know, and cool kills. But, um, so my point was, so I, here I was, you know, I was hanging out, we have a summer house or I had a summer house in Pennsylvania on a lake. And um, we'd always be drinking at night and stuff going on like that. And I would bake it, drink, throw it out, whatever, and then act drunk and they were onto me, you know, the gig was up and, uh, So I came home um, from the gym with a friend to a cottage on the lake, and uh, boom, they threw me a surprise party, you know? And it was my 15th or 16th, I don't know. And who cares, right? But anyway, let's just go with sweet 16th. I like that. So it was 16. I was a late bloomer. I know a lot of you guys, I hear a lot of stories. I do a lot of panels. I'm involved in HI. No kidding. All right. So, anyway, so I hear a lot of stories, you know, and I hear all these stories that these guys tell you, you know, and and a lot of these stories start out like, yeah, when I came out of the womb, I had a white t shirt on with a rolled up pack of marbles and a six pack in my hand. You know, these these guys started young, you know, very, very young. When I was three and this, I don't remember Jack from three when I was three, you know. Got a couple of pictures that ring a bell maybe, here and there, but I don't remember all that stuff. But I was a late bloomer. So, you know, my point is that when I came home from the gym, they threw a surprise party for me, right? My 16th birthday. And there I was at a picnic table with a keg of Genesee cream ale and guys and girls, my peers, and um, got on a drinking game and I got drunk. It wasn't like, "Oh my God, I, went, I, I stole the keg in the middle of the night and slept with her or anything like that. But it was a good night, you know. I got invited out um, uh, to go out that night. Um, I kissed Kathy Claus. just zoom. I kissed Kathy Claus. That's not a big deal to you guys. But that was a big deal to me. Yeah. I, just, I just said hi to her on Facebook by the way. No, it's not like that. There's no chance in hell. But anyway, <laughs> it's, uh, But the point was, you know that good things. I had a good results from drinking. So there I was. I kissed Catholic Claws. We're going to a drive-in theater. that plays so let that Song foot. So the same every night at midnight. It's the thing to do in this area that I was in. And they passed a joint to me. And I faked that. You know, drinking drink, was big. That was a big move right there. So I, I passed on that opportunity. And I became a part of that group. You know, I belonged. And then we all hear that. Yeah, I belong. Well, alcohol. So drugs and alcohol for me are a social lubricant. You know, you know, when I, we, I think we all can relate to when we drink or drug, whatever the common denominator is with your peers, um, that's your social lubricant. You know, hey, we're going to get hammered together. This is great. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, what do you want to do? Well, let's get hammered. And then if you're ever trying to meet up with those people and not get hammered, it's like, <laughs> what's going on? Hi, 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 hi. I'm not hammered either you. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> so, and alcohol right? So, I understand. For me, Alcoholics Anonymous, right? It tells us in the beginning of our book um, that alcohols... All right, so we are alcoholics. I need a sufficient replacement for drugs and alcohol. I like the, eff- the effect produced by drugs and alcohol. And as I'm standing here right now, I can tell you that I like the effect Produced by Alcoholics Anonymous. I have found a sufficient substitute for drinking and drunk and that is so freaking important to me. So I'm going to go on and get drunk for you guys. Maybe giggle, make fun of myself. But uh, so I so I got drunk that time at that cottage up in Blake, the and then I went back to high school and um, we started drinking on weekends. And then I went off to college, and at uh, college we'd go on go to the, I would go to the shore in the summer, you know, and that was a big deal. And it was just drinking every freaking day. And it was awesome. I was the trash fan of Seattle City. And I also worked for the Seattle City Ice Company, which is what, so working for Seattle Ice, that was cool. But trash was picking up, you know? And uh, boy, that was a weak joke. It didn't work like that. man. Was, hey, wait. So, guys, here, loosen the heck up, all right? We're here. Happy, joyous, and free. I mean, I'm happy, joyous, and free. And what happened is I was drinking and drinking and drinking like we are, you know, puking so I could drink more, trying to be the guy who could out drink everybody, funnels, the whole nine yards, you got it. We all understand that, right? And it was a lot of fun. And what I liked with that, when the young lady was reading, I don't know, we stopped in time or something like that. And that saying, it sort of hit me, when I not. Dead. I'm gonna be off with my words, okay? But what I hear is, every time that I, Drank. Lots of, most of, when I was drinking early on, it was fun. So, when, you know, every time I drank a drug, I had fun, you know, and then it was fun with problems. And then I realized later on, when I look back at myself, you know, I had to be honest with myself. All my problems were caused by drinking and drugging. And that's like the biggest thing for me. I call it the first step, call it whatever you want. That's the biggest thing for me. I have to understand that I cannot, because I have a peculiar twist. I'm physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually different from my fellows. I'm different, I'm a separate entity. We, get offended or not, cannot drink or drug safely. No way, there's no way. Smash that illusion, right? We say we've got to smash the illusion that somehow, someday, I could drink and be normal. Well, first of all, I never wanted to be normal. And no, I'm not normal now, and that's fine. But so the whole point for me is that I have to understand that I can never use drugs or alcohol safely and my life's gonna get worse. Now you think that would be, you know, if we're somewhat mentally, mentally capable of grasping that, that, hey, nothing ever gets better because I drank and drugged over it. No, people don't get cured from cancer, you know, and, I'm, it's going to sound like I'm insensitive, but I'm not. And I don't mean to offend anybody, but, um, you know, bad things happen. Some people are victims to their environment, but it's in the book, you know, to what extent are we going to let that control our lives? You know, you, know, you can say cognitive behavior, health therapy and stuff like that. I study all that different stuff. But the fact is that nothing's going to get better because we drink and drug over. You know, mothers dying of cancer, that's horrific. Right. I get that. But coming to me or going you know, well, you know, the reason I went back out was, well, my mom came down with cancer. So you thought you were going to cure mom's cancer when you went out? You know, and I know that, that's a little cruel. But it, now think about it. How stupid it is, you know, no one's going to get better. You're not going to get the job you lost back. You're not going to get the girl, or the guy back because you drank and drugged over. It. It's all an excuse. And it's all we we rationalize. We try to justify our actions and it's really just lying to ourselves. So I love whoever read how it works, you know, that first paragraph, honesty, 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 three times, it's all about getting honest with yourself. So if you're here tonight, you have to get honest with yourself. You can't drink a drug safely. And if you do, your life's gonna get worse, never better. That's the great fact, there's no doubt about it. So easily self-knowledge is not enough, right? so it tells me so i went on after i started drinking um doing that and i got introduced to cocaine and fell in love and um you know things got bad so i was in new york and i said finally i said you know what i'm out of here i got sick of it and i i got i brought up jetta and I followed the yankees across the country and blah 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 i had a great time and i landed here and when i got to work i was like okay you know it's my fresh start, right? I didn't need a fresh start. I was, my life wasn't that bad, but I was on my way to it ending up there. So I went to work for General Motors because I went to an employment fair that I didn't, didn't want to go to while I was in school. And um, since I said, screw it, I'm going to California. I have an aunt and uncle out here, and I have friends and family out here, and um, I have a fellowship out here now. But I came out here and it was great, you know? And then I, I got invited out to people at work, invited me out, and um, I wasn't going to drink, I was going to be Mr. All Behave and that like that. And I drank and I drank, and then I ended up getting busted in the parking lot for being with a girl with the back of my Camaro thing open, and uh, that didn't work out well. And it was my boss was there, and everything like that. You know, you're sitting there in the bathroom at the uh, at the Red Onion in Costa Mesa, it's probably uh, Mexican restaurant now I don't know what it is who cares right but the point is so I'm sitting there I don't know these people I'm on best behavior I still got my tie on they yank my tie off they put it in a blender they pour tequila they hit the whipper to the blender up right there tie went on I'm drinking my tie down it is like I'm, I'm out there on the dance floor mocking with every girl I could find you know whatever and you know get blown off and then I'm in the bathroom and somebody I'm sitting in the bathroom in the, in the, in the stall you know because the pee line was taken and um that's not too, I don't want to cross the barriers here. P is not a bad word, right? P, I can say P. I always look at Tim Harris because he's a micromanager. You know, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, um, and I love him. He's my friend. You know, I'm spotted. you got it, you know. But, uh, so, all of a sudden I'm, so I'm sitting in the stall, and then all of a sudden I see a hand halfway over in my stall with a bindle. I go, this is bizarre. You know? So I take I take the bindle and I snort the cocaine in the bindle. That's a natural reaction. That's what happens when you're sitting there in California, first week in California, I work, your tie's off, it's in the blender out there. You got you got every, I'm not gonna say that, you gotta even care how I talk. So uh, anyway, so the point is, anything that moved, I was all over it and everything like that. And you know, this mystery hand, like uh, it from the family. You know, cousin, it wasn't, it just it, right? Or thing, right. thing. So thing comes over and thing <laughs> pops up the band. I don't, I don't give a shit. <laughs> back up, back. My thing goes back over to this thing. <laughs> takes it in the back, right? And I'm, saying, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, well, that was freaking pretty bizarre. This is cool, right? <laughs> so anyway, I do the fake flush because I wasn't getting that Um <laughs> But when I get out of thing and I look over and the other guy gets out of it. We don't know who. There's no way he knew or I knew whoever we were. We were just cool guys, and, and boom, and it's my boss, you know. Oh! <laughs> so uh, we covered up that arrest that night, and that uh, didn't get arrested. They took my keys, but anyway. So I kept drinking and drinking and drinking. Drinking was fun, fun problems, right? Drinking and some blow here and there, and I would do that constantly and constantly. And what happened was um, the company I worked for. Uh, got bought out. I came into some money and um, I had I met this girl while I was working. I worked for General Motors. She worked at GMAC. You know, isn't that bread and butter? And uh, she, we were hanging out with some stuff. We had a lot of fun together and she would, she was a partier, you know, whatever you want to call that. And I'll tell you what it is. My version of party was at 3 a.m. when the stuff's all gone, she would volunteer to go to my dealer's house, pick the stuff up and come back and never touched it. I mean, she would do it when she got home, but she didn't steal off the window. You know what I'm talking about, guys? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These shady suckers. Yeah. But um, so anyway, so she would do that because uh, my dealer had a, a wife and they got along and she'd go over there and get it from the wife, come back and she would do that. So when you have someone who is good looking has a good job, goes at 3 a.m. to pick the stuff up, come back and not step on it. You marry that. And I married that, man. I married that girl. She was beautiful. And uh, what happened is I came into that money at work when we got brought out and she wanted to grow up. "Whoa. Whoa, who said anything about growing up? You know, so if you're here, if you're somewhat new here, I got four words for you. Time to grow up, and I did not want to grow up, blah, blah, blah. So what happened was we ended up divorcing, you know, and I had some money, and I, I burned my life to the ground, you know, lost it all. The would coulda, shoulda. If only I did, if only I didn't, the only was thinking, why wasn't I thinking, why wasn't I doing this, why wasn't I doing that? Oh, no, no, you go down that rat hole, right, daily, right? Oh, that has nothing, blah, 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 blah. blah. But you know what? The fact was that I blew it off. It was my fault. So I'm not a, you know, I'm not a victim. I'm a volunteer, you know? And I, when I go around doing panels, I go all over the place and whatever I'm doing, you know, you, you go to a, re, a treatment center and everybody speaks that language of the newcomer. Victimese, you know, we're all victims. Oh, you're a victim. Oh, my, my mother did this, my father did this. Holiday oh but anyway so the point is um the point is i'm not a victim i'm a volunteer i didn't lose anything i gave it away you know i flushed my life down the toilet and then um i burned everything to the ground and if i saw grass grass start growing over there i would go out and get some gas and blow that up too you know i destroyed my life i had it going on and i blew it but thanks to alcoholics and, and this program of recovery that's not my story today so i'm going to talk I'm going to say what it says in the book because i'm a just that's what i'm gonna do so in the book it tells us that um the most important thing in my life today as we sit here and speak is my conscious contact with my creator the god of my understanding so that scares you out of here don't worry don't panic the cops the judge the wife, the kids, the family, the parents, the relatives, your employer will scare you right back in here. So you might as well just stay. Because see, I know, and if you're newer, um, I was thinking about myself and I didn't pay attention to how many newcomers I was, or I was running late maybe. But. Um, so, as a result of these twelve steps, so if you're sitting here saying, ah, "I don't buy this God thing," it's not abracadabra God, you know. It's not like, "Hey, I've been sober ninety days. Here's your new car," you know. <laughs> and it, not being, a, uh, "What, what store do I want So here it was. right price is right, right? So here I am, ninety days sober, right? Boom! I'm 90 days sober, and that was that's huge. And if you got two days sober, that's huge. Right. But the 90, so wow, right? So now I'm on the price right. And they go down. All right, Frank, pick between, pick your door, right? I'm gonna take the prize behind door number three. And door number three opens up, and it's the goat. You know, <laughs> there's my freaking goat. You know, because I oh, okay. All right, so then I stayed for stayed sober a little longer. I started to do more things that tell me to do. I'll pick door number two, goat. You know, I got so many freaking goats. I have a goat farm and I can't afford to feed the goats. You know, I mean, we all want everything so fast, you know, and it doesn't work. It was a long way into the jungle. There's no zip lining out, man. It was a long way. You didn't get here overnight. You know, this was not one big bad outing, you know and all of a sudden let's go and listen to Frank down at the, at the church. It just doesn't work like that, you know, but um. So I'm gonna tell you, give you a little, log, I'll, I'll give you a little drinking. When you're drinking, when you have your company money and you're drinking and you're doing drugs, every single freaking day, we're taking the time out in the, in the day for a three or four hour power nap so you could do doubles like in gym or, or working out with you, double, or double, whatever. So you're doing that, you know, things affect your body and your life. You know, they really do. You know, drinking and drugging every day for years on end affects your life. You know, and it affected my life. So, yeah. so um, I'm just going to tell you this story. It was approved by our micromanager. And I was told not to tell this story in jails anymore because uh, the women in the jail didn't like it. But I'm going to tell you guys and maybe you won't like it either. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to find out. Right? So, uh, so here I am. I was drinking and drinking, right? Going for my big, beautiful home, stopping at Carl's Jr. on the way, Miguel Road, if you really want to get specific. And um, trying to get that 39 cent burger down. You know, that was my, my, my nutrition package. I got to eat something, you know, just live it on vitamin C and cocaine and cut it. You know, so I was getting there. Thirty-nine cent burger at Carl's Jr., and I get the the big gulp cup. I already have my big gulp cup with two beers in there and ice and everything. So anyway, and I get that burger down, and then I hit Hennessy's down at Bean Point Harbor every freaking day, every day, every day. I do this every freaking every day, every day. How many times did I do that, guys out there? Every day. You're paying attention. We're paying. Somebody's paying attention. You guys are sitting in the back. That's fine. You'll be you'll be drunk before you know. It. Don't worry about it. So anyway, uh, but you, you, these guys boy, like, Oh, you are good. You're good. Damn. Uh. <laughs> so anyway, with that lifestyle, um, what happened one day? When you have that lifestyle, I f-bombed. But uh, get over it. And uh, oh well. So with that lifestyle, so one day. I'm sitting there with my girlfriend, my miracle dream boat, and um, we run out of, somehow we, we got a little light on cocaine. right? So know what time so it is when you run out of cocaine, time to get more cocaine, right? So what happened was, I, um, things have changed with real estate pricing in the housing and areas, but there was a part of Dana Point where you could walk down the street, Salva and La Cresta, okay? You can walk down that street and you could buy cocaine from somebody else, right? So you could buy cocaine from somebody else. So there's one of these days, three o'clock in the afternoon, you know, everything is going fine. And I realize, hey, I'm, very, very low, honey, on cocaine. What should we do? She's bright. Let's go get some. Okay, so now we're going to go get some, right? And I have this great diet going on. I told you already about So I get over there. I get out of the car. She drives me down. She pulls up the street. She's a pro, pro, right? So, um, and I get out of the car and I walk down the alley, you know, the hard streets of Dana Point, California, alley you know where wow so there I am with my sandals on my OP shorts probably a tank top and a Yankee cap and I'm cool right because this is what cool people do and I'm freaking cool oh man I'm cool so I go I'm like super cool so I go up to Jose and I say coca and he goes oh coca I go coca so that's communicating. Now we're speaking each other's language. We, we understand our relationship. That's that social lubricants intact, right? And I, I go, they go, oh, how much? I go, uh oh. He says something like 80. 80 means two things, they're 40 each. Follow math. All right. So now, so I gave him the 80 bucks, the 420s. Follow the close this right? He gives me the two white packets of coca. I take them. He gets the eighty bucks. I get two packs of coca. I turn around on the mean streets of damn. I turn around. Thank you, Jose. I turn around. I'll do it this way. I turn around, and there it is. Sheriff, gun out. Don't move in my face. Now I told you about my diet, right? <laughs> well, I shit my pants like nobody's freaking business, man. I swear to God, he, I turned around, I got the 80s gone. I got the two fingers. I turned around, there's a chef with a gun in my face and I shit my pants like nobody's business. I mean, if there was shit when my toe ass, it flew out of my ass. I mean, boom, bowel movement, bang, and it's a loaded that. And, and then it got now now the sheriff, the sheriff's a little perplexed. He's confused. This, this is not in the book. It's not in the book. It's <laughs> not in the manual. You know? Data Point Sheriff, Mr. Tough Guy. Yeah, dude. I just shit my pants. You got that right. right so he's <laughs> gonna me. And he got okay, so his partner gets the guy out of the the freeze frame. He froze, frozen in fear. So the other cop puts me down, handcuffs me and we we do the shit in the pants boogie over to the cop car. (laughs) And I get in the back of the cop car Oh, my F, God, up around the five, I'm telling you, the whole thing's a mess. Yeah. I won't tell the story again, but this is true. I, this, is a, this is true as guess. Da, da. So I'm sitting in that car, and then the um, the cop turns around and he goes, what's your problem? I go, oh, what's my problem? He goes, well, you're dying on the street, you seem like a normal enough guy. You're buying stuff from these guys. You know who these guys, you don't know what that is. You know what's going on with those. You know, and I'm like, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, and then he thinks, how come I don't get it? And I'm thinking, I don't want to get it. I want to get out of this car. So anyway, they take me down to the Santa in jail, book me, do, do the whole thing. And that night, you know, I, I still do service work in h and in, in AA. I, was, I did service work that night and it was big and it's touching. So I'm in that holding cell with everything that ever I ate in my life in my pants. <laughs> and it's not pretty. So in that holding cell, squishy, wishy, wishy guy. <laughs> after the pictures and after all those nice little mug shots, and the thumbs, you know the deal. Don't even pretend you don't know the deal. All right. So that night it was big what I did for Orange County. <laughs> what I did that night, because in that the folding cell, it's a larger place. So you guys know you've been there. I know you've been there. If you haven't, you dreamed about it. <laughs> but some maybe it's just a yet. But anyway, so I walk in there, me and my bomb. Pants bomb, we'll call it. We're trying to keep it cleaner, so my pants, me and my pants palm go in there, and I sit down over there. Now, over there, now here's here's how this holding cell is. This night's a Saturday, Saturday night, you know, makes it all right, whatever. But um, I, I don't know the names, so I'm gonna do my best. We got the Bloods, the Crips, skinheads and Johnny Poop, right? So that, and they're all sitting, everybody's sitting away from each other, right? So when I did that, when I did that, I brought that community together. (laughs) Because when Johnny Poop sat over there, the Crips, the blood, the skinheads, and I'm gonna kill your mother groups, all decided to sit together over there. And it was beautiful. You know, there they were like brothers in arms, it was hot, and it was a special moment. So that's that story. Here's the kicker, the kicker is one week later, honey, we're out of cocaine, what should we do? Maybe we should get more cocaine. That's a great idea. So I ain't going back to Dana Point for it. I'll tell you that, not after that. Feast. So I, Mr. Bright, Bright Eyes here says, let's go to Santa Ana. I know a place in Santa Ana that's good. So we go to Santa Ana. I'm driving, I no, always switch, she's driving because I gotta get out and make the connection with Jose. So I get out of the car in Santa Ana behind the 7-Eleven where there's peculiar activity taking place commonly. And what I do is I get out, I go to this guy Jose, I go, Coca. He goes, Coca? I go, Coca. 80, Coca. He gives me two packs. I gave him $80 on three lingo, <laughs> transaction. I turn around, don't move. You're under arrest. I shit my pants like nobody's business again. <laughs> Swear to God, I'm not making this up. This is, this is my life, it's sad and pathetic. And, uh, so now that my, my life's going in good order in the direction or with God, um, I get same thing down on the ground, the pants, the boot, the whole nine yards. Get in the car, squad car, boom, and I get there, and the, and the cop the cop turns around and goes, "Not you again." Oh, no. <laughs> I go, I go, hi. <laughs> Back to the station, same thing. Reunite the drug lords and the gangs, and reunite everybody, and all is well. All right. So um, that's just an idea, you know, of how great things were going for them. You know, I've th- in the middle of all that. And maybe some of you guys can relate. I'm living the dream. You know, here I got money, you know, and, and then that, that my, my wife, my wife, she's there at 5 a.m. when they let you out, you know, she's got the stuff. It's all good. So um, the point being is I didn't you just can't see it when you're in the middle of it. You know, you can't see it. And if you, know, if you see that drugs and alcohol are ruining your life, it is. You have to remember it, it always will. There is no fantasizing about it for me. I don't need any more f- further authentication. I don't need to prove it to myself anymore. I see all these new liquors and blood, whatever's coming out. So what, you know, because in the book, I'm sobering. I'm sobering up for you guys right now. Um, <clears throat> <clears throat> Who's the smartest? Cool. will I'll, I'll, Anyway, <laughs> pray for me. The is listening, pray for me. But anyway, so the point is, in the book, right? It says we drink and drug because we like the effect produced by drugs and alcohol. So the blame game doesn't work. You can't blame it on mom, dad, brother, sister, cousin, coach, professor, teacher. IRS, whoever, you can't blame everything on all these people for your drinking and drug. It's just a big time lie. Because every time I got, I created troubles or problems for myself, drinking and drinking, I was the only one there. None of those other people were there. I don't, there was no coach pouring booze down my throat. There was no grandmother, blah, 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 blah. There was none of that stuff. You know, it was me. All my problems are of my own making. So when we get in the book we get in that doctor's opinion and it says to us, it says, tells us, even though we know it's injurious to ourselves. So I'm not just talking about physically. Physically, yeah, bad bowels, right? stool, bad stool, blood, blotches, you know, hearing things, sweating through the sheets, drug, whatever. Sick, being terrible, feeling terrible. It's injurious to my life. You know, I, it's injurious to my physical being. But that's not the only thing that we're talking about right there. It's injurious, it's injurious to every single thing in our freaking lives. It corrodes the corroding thread and fabric of my existence. Drugs and alcohol, these, it was injurious to my personal relationships with family, friends, personal relationships with my employers, my finances, my education, personal relationships with my ex-wife, personal relationships, personal relationships, taxes, everything. Drugs and alcohol are injurious to everything in my life. Everything that has gone and wrong in my life up to that point was caused by drugs and alcohol. And then it says, even though we know it's injurious to ourselves, we don't stop. And the reason why we don't stop is because we don't want to stop, all right? So we don't want to stop. So once we've been beaten into a state of reasonableness, then we are willing to take certain steps, right? Some of these blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to go down the whole thing. But the point is, even though I knew it was injurious to myself, I had to want to get sober. So on September 1st, 2007, Labor Day weekend, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a big shot at Hennessy's right yeah whatever and I'm, I'm going to be the judge of the, uh, the bikini contest out at the beach of strands it's a Labor Day weekend party it's going to rock and roll and I'm the star of the show in my mind. Right, so boom they're going to pick me up at 1030 be ready Frank we're going to get you at 1030 it's going to be a blast we'll see you tomorrow. Right on brothers. 1030 doorbell rings just as planned getting out of the shower. I put some clothes on it. I answer the door, and boom! Intervention. Intervention. So much for that freaking party. So there it is intervention. And I'm sitting, I got two, three packs of ice. Got a bag full of tricks and goodies. I got a surfboard. I don't know how to surf. I got a surf. I'm a lying sack crap. I don't know how to surf. And I got surf wax. I just take that lie to the next level, man. And I, of course, I'm gonna get the sex wax because I'm cool, really cool, you know? And boom, intervention. And I'm looking at my uncle, I'm looking at my friends, the people from Hennessy's. I was, you know, I, the wife was gone easy. And my girlfriend was the hottie behind the bar, Hennessy's. Imagine that, I don't know if it was her only boyfriend, there was no investigation, there's no, you know, I didn't care, didn't care about nothing. So what happened was, I don't, know, I don't remember even physically Thinking about it, I just said, okay. Frank, you've had enough. You're killing yourself. We're not gonna let you go on like this. We're gonna we're gonna get you help. And I said, okay. And I went off to Charlie Street that night where they dropped me off with love. That's Alan on. Let go with love. Let go with love. You can't cure them, you can't fix them, you can't help them, you can't control them. Let go with love. Right? So here it so they let go with love at Charlie Street, and there I was. And I seized up and it was like 105 degrees out that week in Costa Mesa, they're smoking the cigarettes outside and it's blowing in and I'm on the couches and I'm dry heaving, and it's ugly, right? And I'm sitting there and boom, next thing I know, I wake up seven days later in the whole hospital. I flatlined. I seized up, I died and I came back. To, and um, I was sitting there and after seven days, you know, trying to see how I am and blah, blah, blah. They say, okay, you can go. So they called Charlie Street. Some guys from in service came over to pick me up. And they came on and, they, and I'm leaving them, I had vertigo. I couldn't stand, you know, I, I, I got bandages all over my body from IVs and whatnot. And um, I'm leaving and the guys are in the pickup truck I'm going back to Charlie Street. And uh, they give me this walker. Some guys you know about the walker, but they gave me the nicest walker I've ever seen. Finally, they knew who I thought I was, you know? Friday, they gave me the Bentley. And I see them. I just came back from my mom in Naples and there's walkers all over the place. And these Bentleys are out there now, they're common. But back then, when I got sober, they did not have the walkers with dual brakes, the bigger rear rubber tires and the smaller rear front tires. With locks up. With locks, you can lock these brakes, you know? It just got a little basket there. And then and over there, if you got tired, you take take the lid, you put it down, and you gotta see. So this is I I I'm styled. I got this Bentley Walker. I go back to Charlie Street and they're doing the re-intake. I seize up again. My head wax, waxed the table. I still got the scar, waxed the table and back, back to Hogue, flatlined again. That's my third flatline. I've skipped one because of time restraints. But um then then they called Charlie Street, hey, come and get him. So they coming to take me back to Charlie Street. And they, uh, I'm gonna wrap it up here, guys. I know you're, I can tell the enthusiasm is just freaking driving me crazy. Ha, wow, woo! So anyway, so they give me, I'm leaving right now. I'm hey, where's my walker? Where's my walker? And I'm looking over like the, the lady in charge. I said, hey, where's my walker? I know what's going on there. I'm, uh, I got a walker here. My baby, where's my Bentley, man? So they go, oh, goes, oh I'm sorry, the sweetest accent. So I don't care. Oh, Walker. Okay, get your belt. Look at your Walker. Look at your. So, this guy comes out and gives me this Walker. What an insult. All right. So, it's an aluminum pole, you, with a bar in front. The screws are a little loose. It's got a tennis ball on all four corners. And she gives it to me. He goes, Here's your Walker. And I'm like, You gotta be kidding me, right? So, back to Charlie Street with my new Walker. Chitty, chitty, bang, bang. So I'm sitting there with chitty, chitty, bang, bang next to me because they had me sitting because the last time when they were retaking me in, I died and I went back to the hospital. So this time I'm sitting down with chitty, chitty, bang, bang and um, the guy looks at me and I just, I told you I grabbed the head. I had a big bandage on my head. I got all these things from IVs to keep me alive and bandages on my knees, falling down on elbows. And um, the guy looks at me and he goes, Frank, guess what? And you know, I'm a I'm a great attitude, pumped up all about happy about everything. I go, no what? And he goes, the war's over and you lost. I look like a POW sitting there. And you know, and I thought, I thought about it. The war's over and you lost. And he said, I'll be right back. And it seemed like three weeks or four days, but who knows, probably two minutes. But I thought about it. And at that moment in time, I thought about it. I thought about the war's over and I lost it. And I thought about everything that I had given up for the bottle and the bag. I turned it all in, I traded it all in, I gave it all away for the bottle and the bag. And that just, just hit me. And what hit me right then and there, when he told me it was over, and I lost. And he's like, you he went into the, we're going to win this battle together. But we did that whole thing. But the thing that hit me, what hit me right then and there, because I saw this program working other people's lives, you know, we need a program of depth and weight, you know, I need something with something with depth and weight and I could see people coming in here, getting sober and their lives getting better because I hung out with those guys. And um, <clears throat> what happened to me that morning, right then and there, that afternoon, whatever it was, I thought to myself, and I told myself, I want to be sober. The most important thing I ever thought of in my life, I wanted to be sober. And every morning since then, I want to be sober. So if you're here tonight and you don't want to be sober, don't panic. You won't be sober. Right? So don't, don't panic about it. But if you want to be sober, you're gonna have a great life. You're gonna have great opportunities and you're gonna be so happy. When you came in here, the party didn't end, the party started. I love being sober, I love Alcoholics Anonymous, I have a high my, my conscious contact with my creative is the most important important thing in my frickin' life. And I'm on my knees every morning, asking God for help. And every night, thanking for another day of sobriety. I'm happy, joyous and free, and I'm excited to be here. Thanks for letting me share.